0: RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio. It's Wednesday and that means Legal Hub and it's great to have our team back together. We've kind of been uh, on one engine, this engine, that engine. Um, Katie's been away, Nick's been away as well, but back together again. I think that's a Hall of Notes song from the 70s. Back together again, singing the same old story. Well, we're not doing that because it varies every week with Legal Hub. It's Usually very interesting. That's my experience, anyway. So, guys, nice to have you back in the legal hub chairs this morning. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be back, everyone. And
0: morning, I think morning, Katie. Morning, Nick. I, I think morning. Katie, you've been out off. I can say off the planet. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, this part of the planet, anyway, um, northern hemisphere. And uh, Nick, I think you've been doing a few rounds of of something and um, uh, by the pool and around the the
2: the golf courses are the, 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 the wider I suburbs. I didn't want to give of, too much away. Well, you're know, a
0: hardworking man.
2: Yeah, wider suburbs of Queensland. Uh, a few resort courses in Queensland in the last six days or so. And uh, it's not uh, – it, for those, you know, I'm in Auckland. I look out uh, my window. Well, last night at least, uh, and it was pouring with rain. Well, they haven't seen rain in Queensland for three months. So uh, it's, uh, it's a tinder dry over there, and it's only the middle of October.
0: Okay. All right, we could uh, talk about one day exporting water to them, maybe. A couple of super tankers every month.
2: Well, so, yeah, absolutely. Sort
0: their problem yeah. out, premium price. Okay, so let's get back into it. And I think uh, maybe we should start um, by uh, maybe saying a few words about, uh, let's call it a recent video that's gone viral. Maybe um, I can put it like that. So um, we, it hasn't escaped our attention, folks. We know about it. So... Katie, what do we want to say about that, do you think?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, um, uh, Paul, for the opportunity to speak to it. So uh, we've all seen, no doubt, a recent video uh, that has gone viral, um, and it's made some very bold claims in, about, uh, in it about some serious adverse events, uh, including deaths following a COVID-19 injections. And I really wanted to address this from a couple of perspectives, but certainly bringing it back to Legal Hub and um, the law and its application as well. Uh, so the claims made in the video are not necessarily actually representative of the truth, and there were some statements um, made which may have been made more for dramatic effect. Uh, so some of you may wonder why uh, we aren't jumping on board with uh, you know covering it. Uh, and that's for a number of reasons. Uh, we do receive a lot of information um, and we spend significant time amount of time to validate it, verify it, and consider whether it's appropriate to be passed on. Uh, but that's something I encourage everybody to do with information that they get. Um, we're all under a duty to ensure that the information we share is able to be checked against accurate uh, source information. Um, and that's that's critical. Because we are all um, sick of the, uh, the, the comments of mis and disinformation and being accused of them. This is, um, you know, could arguably be uh, a situation where uh, mis and disinformation is passed on uh, unintentionally, um, but because we are so uh, keen to prove our confirmation bias and the like. So just stop, reflect, consider whether or not the information is there and is able to be verified. And um, that's really important. And just bringing it back to, uh, for example, the evidence um, and evidence that we would use in a courtroom, uh, a judge will receive evidence and they will consider the weight of that evidence. And if the uh, evidence is unable to be verified against uh, you know, core information uh, or certain other things, then it is usually given less weight. Uh, and that's perhaps something that uh, people should uh, consider and stop and adopt and uh, before before passing things on, I think, more than anything. Um, the other thing I wanted to say uh, was that it's really important to uh, understand the uh, whistleblower uh, laws, and I just thought I'd outline those um, yeah. briefly to yeah, our yeah. listeners. Um, so another aspect to be important is that the whistleblower laws are there, Uh, They're called the Protected Disclosures Protection of Whistleblowers Act 2022. This act came into force on the 1st of July uh, 2022. And that act protects a person uh, who has information that shows serious wrongdoing in an organisation that they work for, used to work for, or even volunteer for, or or volunteer at. Uh, That organisation can be public or private institution, uh and there are certain things that the whistleblower has to do in order to satisfy protection under the act Uh, so those things are that they hold uh, information they reasonably believe shows serious wrongdoing by their organization uh, that they are disclosing that information in good faith and this is pretty key that they disclose the approach but they disclose the information to the appropriate authority of the organisation they work for. Uh, So, for example, if it was uh, information pertaining uh, to health, um, the suggested uh, examples of appropriate authorities under Schedule 2 of the um, Act is the Ministry of Health or the Health and Disability Commissioner. Now, I note that there are only examples, uh, but uh, you know, a whistleblower does need to consider who they're going to is the appropriate person. I didn't mention media or social media being one of the places that is an appropriate authority. And in fact, listed in uh, the Act, while not specified in the Act, is a table which helps you step through Uh, what you can do if you have information that you consider is important. And one of the examples that it says um, is that uh, your right to protection under that Act uh, might be vetoed or not available to you if you disclose straight to media or social media. So that's really important if you are going to get uh, protection around that. Um, So just reflecting on on the uh, recent video, Uh, My concerns with it are that it's not uh, necessarily substantiated by uh, information that we can uh, rely on. There was a lot of innuendos and uh, assertions, um, and it's also possibly put the potential uh, whistleblower at risk. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, just what what I take away from it.
0: What happens to a whistleblower in that situation where, let's say their motives are good, Um, They're a little (laughs) loose-lipped or whatever, however you want to put it. The wrong or or, um, an example of what you've just uh, been giving, you know, in in the act there uh, is not the channel that it eventually is made public on. um, And maybe they didn't want it to happen that way. Where does that potentially leave them still?
1: Well, potentially at risk of not getting the protection under the act. Yeah. Um, that's, That's a real risk. Uh, and you know, similarly, the publication could arguably have exposed people to no doubt who, who probably are you know it's they're probably quite readily identifiable in their organisation, uh, given the nature of the information they're said to have held. So um, perhaps they're not going to be too difficult to identify uh, by their employer.
0: So people have to really think through these issues before you know making a, a, a sort of like a, a gut response and just sort of like jumping out of the out of the box on it. Think long and hard, right? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And even, you know, the purveyors of the information. We all we're all responsible. Stop. Don't get excited. Read it. Consider it. Think about it before passing it on because you know your fingerprints end up on it too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now people are possibly I'm not aware of any yet, uh, though I do see some emails that would fall short of a whistleblowing situation suggesting things but if people reached out to us we, we're we i mean obviously you, you're you're in the chain anyway so and you've just described it you know how how it should be handled so people can um i don't know if i even should be asking this question but if people want to reach out to us we are going to do the right thing right We, we oh. we we will handle it in the way that You've that first of all, common sense tells you to, but in the way that you've just laid out,
1: absolutely, our, I, all of our reputations rest on doing the right thing, uh, and uh, you know there, there are laws in place for uh, how this is to operate, and we would uh, you know be applying those. But uh, you know, as I said, we do get information all the time, uh, and it's it's really a case of what we do, do we, what, what what we do with it. Um,
0: okay all right well that sort of kind of speaks to that let's move on and nick this is in your wheelhouse because i think we've already talked about this Uh, didn't we have a chat about the supreme court um, reviewing that ban on white house contact with social media a couple of weeks ago i think we talked about that Uh, i think we know a bit more now so do you want to do you want to get into that
2: yeah yeah we we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago in fact we've covered this sort of topic uh, over the last three to four weeks in general, but uh, that case out of California. Um, as well, if you remember, where the California um, parliament or legislature just snuck in a bill to uh, repeal uh, another bill, which or another law, which the, the, the California uh, state government was trying to get through that would punish uh, people who, you know, inverted commerce spread misinformation about COVID and other things on the internet. That's right. right that was wiped in California uh, in a very quiet sort of manner. What's happened now uh, in the US Supreme Court just yesterday, day before, is uh, that, well, we need to start back about uh, May last year, actually, and in in May last year, there was uh, a lawsuit uh, brought by the Attorney General of Missouri and Louisiana, the the states of Missouri and Louisiana, uh, under the First Amendment, Uh, right in the the Constitution, Uh, and that lawsuit uh, alleged that the President uh, Joe Biden and and his officials in the White House violated the First Amendment right to free speech uh, by suppressing speech on social media companies uh, through collusion with uh, the social media platforms uh, on topics such as, uh, of course, COVID-19, election integrity, and, of course, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop um, uh, issue or scandal
0: scandal I think
2: <laughs> scandal yeah uh, certainly is and and of course um yeah so, so the president you know and some of the officials were charged um in, in the court in may last year now the uh, in may last year the plaintiffs uh, sought uh, an injunction against the, the white house and and the biden administration uh preventing them from uh, colluding in like manner until the um basically the result of the uh, the case had been heard which is not scheduled perhaps until about i think about june next year uh from uh, from memory well the the biden administration and, and the government uh took that uh matter of the injunction which is preventing them from acting in the same manner until the court case is actually heard they took the appeal I took an appeal of that to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court has overturned the injunction by four uh four votes to three, I suppose, or or four judges to uh three. Wow. Okay. Uh yeah, yeah. Um ruling in favour of uh of granting a stay of execution uh against the injunction, um, until you know the outcome of the court case, which as I say is on schedule to be around about June next year, but, of course, we, we just don't know, and um, there could be a lot of water to flow under the bridge between now and then. And importantly, um, well, a couple of important things out of it, one is that the US President's election is due next year, and um, if the injunction had remained in place, and, and this is just my, you know, this is my commentary, it's not what the Supreme Court decision said, uh, but if the injunction had remained in place, it could well have prevented the Biden administration, from um, inverted commas, I suppose, as the charge is, uh, colluding with social media platforms on uh, inverted commas misinformation um, uh, about their policies and and about their campaign, the Democrat campaign, perhaps uh, during the election campaign. Well, that you know that injunction's not there anymore, so the possibility, uh, I guess, now uh, now exists. Uh, but the other interesting thing is that. Uh, there were three dissenting, three dissenting uh, justices in the Supreme Court, uh, and they made some fairly strong statements uh, about why the injunction should should remain in place. Uh, and they basically, one of them says, "Look, government uh, government censorship of private speech is antithetical to our de- democratic form of government, and therefore it, uh, the decision is highly disturbing."
0: Disturbing, okay that's uh, yeah oh. yeah
2: well it, well it is um, and so that that's kind of what happened um, in the Supreme Court uh just just yesterday uh, so, now, so
0: does that yeah. does that mean the, the conspiracy theorist will say um and they might not be too far wrong that there's really no handbrake at all on the manipulation of social media um posts or or Platforms slash posts during in the run up to and during that election
2: campaign. Yes, it, it it appears that way. Of course, when I mentioned that the the you know, plaintiffs argued that the Biden administration was uh, colluding with these platforms uh, to prevent certain information getting out there. Uh, misinformation, disinformation, or, or, or what have you. Um, you know, we only have to look back at um, the information that came out on what, what's now X, but Twitter, and the Twitter files, about how yeah. that was done during COVID-19. But interestingly, of course, you know, uh, and it, we've discussed this on the show over the last uh, month or three, about said platforms having to be highly regulated, uh, or coming up into New Zealand at least, and in fact, to what Canada produced last week, uh, or the week before, we discussed about uh, the, you know, social media or platform content creators, if you want to call them that, having to provide information out of the government on their followers if they turn over more than ten million dollars in revenue, uh, and um, and the like. So it seems as if the the private people who are providing content and information are going to get hammered and be highly regulated and perhaps be you know regulated out of existence whereas the government has got free reign to collude with who it likes um on the on the platforms that it wants to um collude with and manipulate the content that it wants people to read and see i suppose is one and, way of putting. it. and if
0: you look back to that um you know the hunter biden thing that was happening at around the time Right, you know, in the epicentre of that election, I remember the debate where he denied um, knowing anything of his son's activities, never received money. Or, you know, we found out that it was, all, it was all lies. He was actually lying.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, um, I find it personally hard to keep up with some of all of this stuff uh, all the time. But, yeah, certainly uh, at face value, um, he doesn't come out of that squeaky clean, does he, Hunter Biden?
0: no and neither does, does his father no and uh, you know the, here we go um uh what is, it, what is it wash rinse repeat you know
2: yeah and, and look and thank goodness for the the system they have in america where states you know and attorney generals can actually sue the um <laughs> the federal administration for breaches of you know first amendment rights in relation to stuff that happened in their states um but yeah sadly for the minute the injunction uh, does not remain in place and the other thing about, us, about the American system, uh, as listeners may know, is that the, the Supreme Court appointments are highly politicised, and uh, you know we've had uh, Joe Biden now uh, appoint a, a couple of Supreme Court uh, justices and to perhaps sway the Supreme Court back to uh, a more, um, you know, Democrat-Liberal-type uh in favour of his, his administration, perhaps, and uh, perhaps we're seeing now um,
0: you know with this decision, uh, some of the payback, uh, in that, yeah, okay, that's that's the word. Uh, and I also, um, have noted this week that uh, Elon Musk is being saying to the EU that if you push too hard on whatever they call their disinformation regime as a particular name, um, that he, he might pull out of Europe. So, there you go,
2: wow, wow. Well, look, and, and just on the back of that, I've got something that's just come into the um, into my uh, inbox, if, if you like, just um, this morning. And it follows on from, and it's on a related theme, and it follows on from the story we discussed out of Canada last week, where the Canadian administration were looking at uh, introducing uh, rules whereby, as I said, uh, there's you know, platform users who have uh, revenue of more than $10 million dollars now have to uh, tell uh, the government who their followers are, you know what their names are, and and all sorts of other disclosure regime. Um, and you know we again talked uh, some weeks ago about what's happening here in New Zealand with the uh, the platform code of conduct, which you know is is on on its way to being implemented uh, as well. And well, and the concerns on on free speech and i guess if you want to call it global domination of content uh around the world uh and, and letting you know the powers that be only uh allow you to see and hear what they want you to see and hear i suppose well coming out of china uh, china um, just this morning they've got a massive uh, social media network they're called weibo w-e-i-b-o um and uh it Weibo informed its platform uh, platform's most popular uh, users last week that they are now required, because of Chinese government rules, to display uh, their real identities, not just pseudonyms or um, you know nom de plumes or uh, whatever. Uh, and, and that includes the the platform users' um, uh, names, gender, IP locations, as well as their professional and educational background. Uh, on their on their page on their weibo page um uh, and this comes into play at the end of october it will apply to weibo users with more than 1 million followers and then will later extend to those with just half a million uh, followers and it, it's expected that uh, other social media platforms in china will uh, have to follow the move uh, as well um and so um you know I make the point, I suppose, that that's a very highly uh, regulated regime that China's now starting to implement with its social media uh, users and content providers and followers and, and the like. And, you know, we should, in, in this part of the world, at least be trying to um, oppose those sorts of restrictions because this is a communist state Um Less we all forget it. And yet, in New Zealand, you know, throughout the DIA's uh, code of conduct with its platform uh, use, and now what we saw coming out of Canada uh, last week, uh, the Western world uh, appears to be going in the same direction.
0: And we don't actually have a problem with it, do we? Really? So it's not well, a problem well, that needs well, fixing, but I can oh,
2: so- Sorry, sorry. I, I was about to say, who do you? Who's this "we" you're talking about, Paul? Because I have a huge problem. <laughs>
0: no, no, we don't have a problem with platforms going nuts. There are no examples.
2: Uh, well, I, I would have thought. Um, I'm a bit old-fashioned in, in my view on this, but you know, rather than speaking in a legal sense on a practical, common sense level, if you don't like what the platform is putting out, just don't subscribe to it and don't and close your tap yeah you, you know i mean how i mean how how far can you extend the uh branches of you know authoritarianism yeah. I suppose um, to capture literally hundreds of millions of social content platform providers on all sorts of interesting topics uh and, and whatever so anyway it's um yeah especially
0: when there's no there there you've got to have there there for there to Be something, and there doesn't seem to be any, any there there at all. Kind of uh, doesn't seem to exist. Uh, Katie, anything to say about about that?
1: Well, it's certainly uh, interesting, uh, and it will be interesting to see whether or not our incoming government uh, intends to uh, follow through with the uh, what was it the consultant paper on online. Uh, censorship laws. So uh, we can see whether or not uh, we will have uh, a new government or one just of a different colour.
0: What, what's your, what's your call on that? If you're prepared to make one,
1: my call is that we will see these laws come in.
0: Yeah, that's mine too. Uh,
1: we can see that through um, a number of places. Uh, we can see it uh, peppered throughout comments in the uh, WHO's. Um, pandemic Treaty, or CA Plus, uh, a need to control what they say is an infodemic with mis- and disinformation. It really is um, the push that seems to be happening globally, and we're seeing countries all around the world uh, adopt legislation uh, that is very much in keeping with...
0: That, that would be unforgivable, wouldn't it, of this new government? That would well, it would be to me.
1: Uh Look, I don't. I don't know that I've seen anything where they've said that they will. Uh, it will be something upon which they uh, will make comment. It's certainly not one of the uh, pieces of uh, legislation or hangovers from Labor that they've indicated that they will get rid of uh, yet. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll see. But you know, what Nick's just outlined with China is is a potentially what we'll see with um, the censorship of you know, platforms they don't like in New Zealand.
0: The interesting part of that, Nick, is the shrinkage from the initial, That you're talking about the, the Waibo example. It was, what, a million plus followers, then shrinking down to half a million not long after that. And I think we speculated on the possibility of that when we're talking about the Canadian example a few weeks ago, and that seems to have been exactly what has happened here.
2: Yeah, and we did, and we did, and um, I think we said, you know, the 10 million will soon become 1 million revenue, you know, uh, and which, which will hit, uh, look, I don't know, but obviously far more uh, content providers. But look, I, I was sent something uh, I subscribe to, uh, and I've not subscribed, but I've got the um, Chinese social media app WeChat on my phone, um, and I use that quite a bit with some of my uh, Chinese friends, and I was sent something this morning, actually, on this topic, from a, a Chinese um, person living here in New Zealand, a friend of mine, and uh, sh- she alerted me to this. And uh, and, and it, it gets even worse. It appears that uh, all content creators with more than ten thousand subscribers uh, on Chinese social media will, at some point, uh, no longer be able to post anonymously either.
0: Here we go. Now it's yep. getting down to the granular That's level. Right.
2: And this this hmm. um, this user here, this platform. Um, content provider, whatever you want to call her, I think it's a her. She has a hundred thousand subscribers. She's anonymous as well. She goes by a pseudonym, and she has said, uh, if, this is, "If this is what has to happen at the end of October, I will become a cyber refugee. I am gone." Yeah. Okay. So that's what, and that's what inverted commas are. They want, uh, and uh, it would just, you know, it's so. So that's just happening out of China, as I say. I mean. Um, it's it's something that is happening in China. You'd be a in the West to be following along, uh, hook line and sinker with us. And there was a very good a very good quote. This is a uh, a Chinese person writing uh, on the Weibo page about the the policy, uh, and they wrote this. I am um, writing because they told me never to start a sentence with because but I wasn't trying to make a sentence. I was trying to break free. And here's the critical thing. I love this quote. Because freedom, I am told, is nothing but the distance between the hunter and its prey.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so,
0: yeah. It reminds me of that movie, The Lives of Others, um, where they are trying to keep a track of every typewriter in east germany because the oh, right. dissidents wrote with typewriters right and and they had a whole division um uh, tasked with working out which typewriter typed certain pieces you know and uh, and they were tried to be aware of who owned what typewriter that's kind of the version 1.0 mm-hmm. of, of that but it's nothing different and that was the stasi right so
2: Well, then, and look, have we not learned since 1939, 1940 about, you know, the freedoms that were fought for back then against this sort of stuff. You know, people died, millions of people died fighting against the sort of restrictions and uh, authoritarian type behaviour that, you know, that you've just described. So uh, it's it's just astonishing that we don't seem to learn from the principles that we fought against uh, or fought for, I suppose, you know, 70, 80 years ago. I just love that quote again. I'll say it again. Freedom, I am told, is nothing but the distance between the hunter and
0: its prey. Yeah, I think that's probably quite accurate. Mm -hmm. And what was the George Orwell one? Freedom is the right to say no. I remember that one too. Mm -hmm. But uh, how far that gets you or will get you, who knows. But uh, that's interesting to get that update. Okay, so do we switch horses a bit and talk about the IHR amendments? Considering that we've talked a lot about this with James Regatsky, yourself as well, Katie and others. So
1: Yeah, look, it feels a bit um, like a squeaky wheel on this one. Um and uh you know let's just keep in mind with the uh, UN and the WHO, we've got uh four different documents that are being prepared under the guise of pandemic preparedness and response. Uh they uh effective well they treaty documents um they're supposed to be international laws which our countries that um uh are members to uh will be uh, bound to uh, you know comply with should we accept them so uh the other day we had uh the uh, general assembly uh attend at the w at the un and the general assembly appeared and uh Received some objections uh, because they were looking to adopt the uh, UN Pandemic Preparedness Response Manifesto document, uh, but not complying with their own rules. So 11 countries uh, got quite upset about that and the negotiation process to date. Uh, So we saw um, a sort of, you know, an intention by the UN to uh, subvert the rules. and simply adopt without doing so at a full uh, at a full assembly meeting Uh, so we've got that that's one um, I guess track that it's going down but uh, interestingly we have another track so we've got the uh, uh, WHO uh, amendments to the international health regulations we've got those article 59 Uh, amendments which change and retract the time frames quite significantly Uh, and we had a cabinet paper that was that came out late last week and that cabinet paper um, indicated that uh, you know these changes were minor and uh, it'll be you know fine to adopt them tacit acceptance that's you know acceptance by silence is fine we don't need to do anything and this is a good thing for our country so that cabinet paper will be made available uh, under this um uh, w- with this replay uh, and it really is quite disturbing because that cabinet paper does acknowledge that there's significant work going into the other two documents uh which is the 307 amendments to the international health regulations uh and also the who ca plus or the pandemic treaty that's the who uh pandemic treaty so which is an entirely new document so Interestingly, um, and this is the coming back to the International Health Regulations, which uh, has a working group working on that. That working group uh, co- is co-chaired by our former Director of Health, uh, Ashley Bloomfield. And in October this year, uh, beginning of October, I think it, it was the fifth uh, working group meeting, they kind of realised that they're not going to get the document done in time. It was due to go to the Director General of the WHO in January this year so that it could be received by the member states for the 75th World Health Assembly uh, in May 2024. And the uh, um, WHO working group on these uh Uh, Amendments, which they're significant, we're talking about 307 um, amendments at least here. Uh, They have sort of maybe just sought some clarification from the legal department to determine whether or not they could get away with extending the period of time for them to provide further information um, and work on these IHRs beyond the January date when they're to have them delivered to the Director General. And The lawyer's advice uh, from the WHO, which is really quite incredible, uh, is essentially, well, this is a subgroup of the WHO, so the uh, Article 55 rules, you know, They don't apply. You don't really need to have them done within that four-month period. So the whole point of the four month period is to give everyone notice and time to absorb and take on board the changes. And here we've got at least 307 in the current version that has been made publicly available. And we've got the legal team saying, Oh, look, uh, yeah, no, keep working on them. That's that, that you know. There's wiggle room for that. And so we've got a situation where they're not applying their own laws, which is effectively set out in constitutions, and uh, they're making it up a, 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 as they go. You know, right. The option here for them would be to simply push it off a year, to push it off till the 77th, continue to negotiate, continue to work with the parties. The reason why the 11 countries got quite upset with the United Nations and their manifesto was because the negotiations aren't negotiations. Countries are being steamrolled. They're not being listened to. Their suggestions to the amendments aren't being taken on board. And uh, it's 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 you know the problem is is that there's they're making the rules up as they go along.
0: So they d- doggedly want this to happen as soon as possible, right? Um, Correct.
1: That's why we've seen the, the real reduction um, and shrinking of timeframes in the Article 59 amendments, which our government's uh, our cabinet reported on last month isn't a problem. Sorry, last week isn't a problem. Uh, and you know, it's
0: sorry it, is isn't a problem.
1: No, the reduction in timeframes is not a problem. Uh, despite, How could they say that? Uh, well, if they're, they're sticking doing- up for New Zealand. What well, they're doing under the guise that they think that this is very important. Um, they've acknowledged that there's significant changes. Uh, the cabinet group that met and wrote yeah. this report.
0: But that's a, a cabinet group from the previous administration, right? So they're irrelevant Correct. now. So they
1: uh, meant
2: nothing, right?
1: Yes, but the report was done, I think, in the caretaker type of government, which the cabinet's still meeting to uh, see how, that how could you... work has continued. But the cre- incredible thing about that is timing. It was delivered after the election. Not
0: before. It doesn't fly.
1: They've been sitting on it for quite some time. They've had these amendments
0: since. They could be seen to be sabotaging a nation.
1: Time, on the timeframes, yes, by reducing them significantly, correct. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: 10 months to consider, 307 significant amendments, which change things from being non-binding to binding, uh, us having to apply and uh, figure out all the laws to which uh, we will need to amend. And you can see with... Um, the Harper Poor Report that our country is quite dedicated to following UN treaties uh, that it signs up to. Uh, so, how it's going to do uh, three get across three hundred and seven amendments just in the international health regulations alone, not dealing as well with the um, WHOCA plus or the new pandemic treaty, which is coming in and probably comes in at a similar time. And considering how that's going to amend all our laws. Uh, you know, I don't know if we've got sufficient law and policymakers uh, to get across what are very significant changes.
0: Well, considering none of them spoke about this at all in the run-up, the other thing is, how could Ashley Bloomfield be there? He is seen to be part of the previous administration.
1: Uh, so he is not there as a representative of our government. He no longer holds that role or title. He yeah,
0: but he could sell our uh, our sovereignty down the road. Um, so, uh
1: he is selling our sovereignty so how road could, if you uh, how, read the document. how could that
0: be how could that be uh, I mean I'm just a dumb person on the sidelines how could that be acceptable to any New Zealander
1: it shouldn't be and he's uh, got to come home now well he? you know he's he's negotiating these um can't uh, trust in him. his new role we can't um, trust him
0: we can't trust him other people can we? Will I mean, say can, that they anyone can. sane say that
1: other people will be saying that they can. He's I been guess, um, in his talking
0: role. publicly with Sir John Kerwin about how to deal with mental illness. It seems to me that he was one of the people who have generated an unprecedented amount of mental illness. So uh, there seems to be a pattern here of inappropriate representation given a track record. Anyway, just saying. What was that December 1st date? This is the one that um, we had to opt out of. Otherwise, we're automatically opted in. Does that still stand?
1: That does. So this is the Article 59 amendments to the International Health Regulations. That's the one that that Cabinet paper came out about just uh, just last week. And the Cabinet paper will be linked in this discussion. And the Cabinet paper just says, sure, let's reduce the timeframes. That's a great idea. Don't worry, we'll be able to review any other amendments uh, within 10 months to determine whether or not we accept or reject. And sure, any of those amendments that we do, end up accepting within 10 months we can definitely get them implemented within 12 months
0: but just to be opted in uh, who would ever do a deal like that
1: uh well I think before the point is is that the uh, international health regulations were at uh, well, the version as currently is, that it prepared following the SARS um, outbreak in 2005. They're not not. That's, it's non-binding. It's recommendations. The WHO has a role in which it is providing health advice, uh, and they're not binding. The problem is is that the WHO proposed amendments that Dr. Bloomfield is working on in respect of the um, international health regulations. They change the uh, uh, the advice of the who from being non-binding to binding
0: yeah that's um, right
1: and you know there's significant changes in there where we changing and spinning everything around from humans he- having any rights to collectively dealing with them a- 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 as one mass uh, so there's massive problems with um uh, the 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 treaty documents as are being drafted that are currently available They're available for people to read. I've got them up on the Voices for Freedom website. Um, The information's there, the articles that I have concerns with or think that people should be particularly aware of, the vaccine passport requirements that we're going to be seeing rolled out globally. Uh, So so I wonder what
0: what the plan is to deal with the incredible pushback from your own people that you're going to get when people realise what's going to happen here. I mean, what's that plan?
1: Well, look, it's a really good question. I don't know that and I don't necessarily get the feeling that the last government uh, uh, and I think that perhaps they were surprised that they lost the election as badly as they did. They weren't really for their constituents. Um, it will be interesting to see whether or not this new government uh, will, be, um, will, will be so uh, happy about the terms of the documents that are being proposed.
0: Are they globalists? I think they are.
1: Oh look, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't answer that.
0: Sorry. No, no. I didn't expect you to. Okay. Well, that's um. All right. Let's keep an eye on that. Let's get back to that other. We got uh, five or six minutes to wrap. Um, back to you, Nick. And the um, I've I've heard of NewsGuard before. They've been around for a while. But anyway, a consortium is suing the U.S. government and NewsGuard for what?
2: Well, I, I think to introduce this, we have to. Uh, give a little bit of a backstory about what NewsGuard is.
0: Uh, yeah, because it sounds
2: and, legit. Uh, you're, you're good name, right? you, you hear oh, the name, man. you think, oh yeah, I, I'm to be part of that, but uh, maybe after you hear a little bit about it, you don't. So NewsGuard is, is a rating system uh, for uh, news and information websites. It's accessible on, um, on browsers via browser extensions and mobile apps. Uh, it uh, The company behind NewsGuard, or behind the extension or the tool if you like, it also provides services such as misinformation tracking oh. and brand brand safety for advertisers, search engines, social media platforms, cybersecurity firms, and government agencies. So you can understand, if you know a little bit about how the internet works, what NewsGuard is doing uh, in, in this extension that you can put in your browsers. It's uh, it's tracking what you say and where you search and what you do and providing that information back to, uh, it looks like, government agencies who would then yes. want to c- censor such websites. Yep. Well, interestingly, the, the company structure of uh, News, NewsGuard is based in New York City, and uh, its advisors include former uh, officials such as Tom Ridge, the former Homeland Security Secretary. Yep. Uh, Michael Hayden, former CIA Director General, oh dear, yeah, and former NATO chief, as well as Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales. So uh, you've got some serious big people here running a adverted commerce private company, closed inverted commerce, uh, supposedly monitoring speech uh, on the uh, on the internet. Um, now, it, some years ago, a few years ago, over the years, it has approved. Uh, given official endorsements, I suppose, or approvals of uh, certain websites, of saying that this website does not produce misinformation, therefore people can trust it. And, of course, those websites include the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Left Wing, BuzzFeed. Of course. (laughs) But, of course, what it said, it labelled as unreliable, included WikiLeaks and Fox News.
0: WikiLeaks was unreliable. Right. yes okay. yeah interesting In yeah.
2: okay mm-hmm. yeah uh and it also uh, the, it also cautioned that um that the nutrition label on 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 food should not be treated as an endorsement equivalent to the nutrition facts given by the national food and drug administration of america okay, okay. so you can see what kind of newsguard is uh boards and what they um agenda is if that's the way to put it well it, uh, there's an outfit in america called consortium uh, news and consortium news is a independent uh, media outlet in america uh, it has filed legal proceedings in uh, in the court there uh, against the u.s government and against New- newsguard uh, alleging uh, first amendment violation this is free speech violations again uh, but also defamation um oh yeah, okay. uh, and then what they're alleging is that um, by by saying that certain articles or stories presented by Consortium News are misinformation and wrong and whatever, then that is defaming the organisation of Consortium News. But I think that, to be honest, knowing a little bit about the information is perhaps stretching the realms of credibility a bit, but we'll see how we get on. Anyway, in the course, uh, so what the the pleading alleges is is that in the course of its contract with the Pentagon, the NewsGuard has a contract with the Pentagon. Okay. uh, NewsGuard is acting jointly or in concert with the United States to coerce news organisations to alter viewpoints as to uh, the situations in Ukraine, Russia and Syria, imposing a form of censorship and repression of views that differ or dissent from policies of the united states and its allies and that's what the complaint says that's not uh, me uh making something up so that's right. what the, the, the complaint uh, by uh, consortium news says against newsguard and the u.s government uh, filed in the filed in the court uh, i think just a couple of days ago okay so, well uh, yeah yep. yeah well that's i uh, just wanted to introduce that so again you know we have a similar theme um going through uh, a lot of the last few weeks, actually, on, on the show uh, about how uh, you know, social media content is, is being regulated, being uh, spied on, being tracked, and uh, and it's a very interesting um, paradigm at the moment uh, where this is all going to go over the over the short, uh, medium, and long term.
0: What it tells you is the legacy is like a stuck record. Mainstream media has lost its power otherwise there wouldn't be attention being focused in this area if it still had its fundamental power right i mean that's oh, that's yeah. what we take from that yeah, of
2: course yeah absolutely yes yes yeah, So, consortium news as i've just um uh, discovered consortium news was founded in the 19 uh, 1990s it, it, it reports or it focuses mainly on uh, u.s foreign policy uh, overseas wars, uh, etc., uh, and it has featured the best, some of the best reporting on the Julian Assange detention uh, and his trial uh, as well. So um, you can see where the battle is here. The battle lines are now drawn between, you know, the official, I guess, inverted commas, official line from the, or well, the propaganda put out by the the US government on on certain uh, matters of of national interest and those. By opposing media outlets who want to take an alternative view, um, uh, and, and you know those kind of alternative views or those other views uh, label misinformation or tread with caution uh, and the like, and then Newsguard comes out and and says can't trust that site, can't trust this site, and, and the like, and um, and I guess you know people can take that as gospel or they can do their own research, but yeah, it's. Um,
0: Okay, that's, it seems to be, these stories seem to be more and more, um, you know, thick and fast now, so.
2: Yeah, they do, and it's, this is not, you know, the theme that we've kind of gone over, or gone down the path we've gone down over the last three to four weeks, five weeks, is not intentional, it's just kind of uh, how things have rolled, really, uh, and as you know, as you know, we discover what's going on in China and Canada and now we see what's happening in America, we have to be extremely vigilant about what is in the pipeline um, here in New Zealand uh, through the DIA's uh, content provider uh, Code of Conduct.
0: All right, well, we've pretty well had time for this week. Any final words on any of the things we've been talking about in this legal hub before we sign off for this week anyway? Not for me. Uh- Okay.
2: Nick? I'm done. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Katie. Okay.
0: Good to have you both back in. And we will do it all again. Gosh, what will it be next week, do you think?
2: (laughs) Well, as you say, Paul, it won't be dull, whatever. No, it's it's
0: never dull. It's never dull. That's one thing I've come to learn. Okay. Until this time next week, we'll see you uh, both again, Nick and Katie. We'll talk again in a week.
2: Thank you. Bye bye. See you. Bye bye. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.